Welcome to Highly Volatile, an unfiltered podcast for real-life professional traders, investors, and top executives. To be the best, you need your thoughts and perspectives challenged by the best. This podcast series features some of the most thought-provoking and disruptive minds in both business and investing. My name is Kevin Van Trump, and I'm joined each podcast by my good friend, legendary trader and angel investor, Andy Daniels. Together, we attempt to challenge the conventional and gain a better understanding of the disruptor. We search high and low for wealth hacks and exciting new investment opportunities. But at the same time, try to uncover hidden pitfalls or unforeseen changes coming our direction that might rock our worlds. We hope you're challenged by our unfiltered thoughts and conversations and enjoy our highly volatile podcast. And please remember, there's risk in trading futures and options. You should carefully consider whether such trading is suitable for you in light of your circumstances and financial resources, foundations for you to buy or sell any commodity, any stock or any type of other investment. So make sure you use the podcast as an educational tool to broaden your horizons and maybe add a bit more perspective. Hey, this is Kevin Van Trump with another edition of our Highly Volatile podcast. Uh, I got my good friend Andy Daniels on the line and a couple of, uh, oh, I'd say some of my more respected sources in the uh, industry and guys that have really been influential and, in, in, uh, you know, teaching me a lot of different things and, and learning a lot from them outside of Andy as well. So I think everyone's got a ton of questions about corn, beans, wheat, Scott and Rice, where we're going here, where we've been, where we're headed. Uh, I'm happy to have Mike Mock on the line. Mike's, you know, one of the most respected sources from a producer standpoint uh, in the industry, and, and Mike's doing a lot of great things with CGB and and his advisory team. And I, I think we're going to, you know, love to hear what Mike has to say for from a producer's perspective. And then, of course, we got Tommy Rana, one of the uh, you know, uh, great, great speculative trader in the grain markets for uh, years and years, uh, and along with Andy Daniels. So I think we're going to really tag team this thing today uh, with some guys with tons and tons of experience. I'm probably going to keep my mouth shut and try to learn something. Uh, I'm going to let Andy kind of moderate and ask some questions. Uh, you know, like I said, where we've been, where we're headed, what we might need to think about uh, moving forward. And, what positions we all kind of personally have in our own stake and, and what we're doing here. So, Andy, go ahead and take it away with Carp and Mike. And, uh, well, great. Thank Kevin. you, Kevin. Uh, I'm super excited to have Kevin and – or, sorry, uh, uh, Mike and, and Tommy on as well. Um, if, you, if I refer to him as Carp, it's, uh, it's, it's a term of endearment, and we can get into the, uh, the, the history of the name uh, at a later date. But, um, guys, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. I know uh, – we're at the end of a uh, rather tumultuous week that has uh, seen nothing but uh, straight-up movement. And, um, you know, the fact that we are at these kind of levels in the spring is virtually unprecedented at any time in my career, uh, or any of our careers for that matter. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, here we are. Uh, we talked, I think, uh, probably, God, it's been about nine months ago, I think, since the four of us uh, were on a call together. So... I'm excited to kind of get an update as to where people are at uh, today, and uh, let's just kick it off. Uh, t Tommy, you, you're, you're never a lack of opinion or a, uh, have a have a lack of a, a, a perspective on the markets. 
And I know it's kind of tough right now at these kind of price levels to say, uh, what do you think? But what do you think? Where do you, um, what's your uh, perspective of uh, things today? And uh, I, I know you've got a lot of uh, thoughts, so please share. Yeah, I, I have some thoughts. But uh, first I want to say uh, uh, thank you for inviting me, Kevin and Andy. My, Mike and I continuously talk, even though I retired about Five months ago, I still like the, the action and market movement, why things cause uh, what goes on. We don't get a chance uh, to do much of this. Or I, don't, I haven't had a chance to do much of this since the last time I was on with Kevin and Andy. And so I, I, I really do enjoy it. It's my passion. It's been my life for 40 years. So uh, I'll give it a shot here. Um, you know, prior, as I said uh, just a moment ago, I, I retired about five months ago, and I said to everybody without a question of doubt, uh, that we're going to see one of the biggest markets that anybody seen in their career. And that was basically because where we were at, and I, I, I believe the biggest buyer of our grain, China, came to fruition. It, took, it was painstaking, but it, then it happened. And, and um, five months ago, it was a really easy call. It was a no-brainer. Um, it's probably bigger. We'll turn back someday and looking at it bigger than the Russian uh, a grain trade in the late 70s, mid to late 70s where they bought all the wheat. Uh, this China is buying everything that they can get their hands on. There has to be an underlying reason. I think everything going forward is going to be, you know, dependent upon them and uh, South and weather. Um, I would say at this point, given we rally $5 plus beans and around five in beans and two in corn, um, we, we have to ask ourselves as traders or producers, which Michael comment from his end, that the producer in, in new crop corn, uh, more so than new crop beans, uh, should be, uh, without a question of a doubt, trying to hedge uh, some of his uh, you know, potential crop back now in, in the D's at these current levels. Um, you know, where is our carryout going from a one two one one to one seven one eight one six to one eight? You got to be starting again, given the current weather conditions. Now, if weather conditions change, then you know, so be it. Um, then you act accordingly. Um, go, this point forward, given these cash markets, uh, that should be the first thing to watch. That whether the spreads should continue to stay strong, which I believe they should, in, in corn and beans and wheat oil and meal. Uh, if those start to change, then you can react to the spreads. But those don't seem to be reacting the way it is. Matter of fact, with all this good crop in Brazil right now, it's being soaked up, uh, you know, quite quite, uh, quite a bit domestically in, in the exports. So their, their cash prices are going up. Um, planning weather to this point in the U.S. has been, uh, I think, okay, better than okay. And, uh, we're going to probably get the crop in earlier than normal. Yeah, there's going to be dry spots, but there's always dry spots. Um, and that's something that's something to watch probably Monday forward going in, uh, temps and precip. Um, and I, I think, uh, as I said as well, I'm, I'm preferred taking the short side of corn and probably wheat at these kind of levels and higher. I would not want to do that in beans. I, I think the you're giving the farmer way too much incentive, and the farmer for forever, 40 years of my career, has been a corn farmer first. He will continue to plant corn. Um, the oil seeds have been so strong in Canada, you're going to lose some acreage up there to, to you know, canola, uh, you know, to wheat, 
going to steal from uh, uh, wheat into canola. Uh, the same thing may be true happening. Mike can comment about the Northern Plains and what that may end up happening up there. Uh, but the U.S. farmers forever and forever will be a corn farmer first, and we're giving every incentive, uh, more than incentive to plant right now. So uh, I, I would say to have any positions on, be spread first. That's been the case for five months. There will be corrections in these spreads, but on corrections, given technical points, you, you need to watch that, uh, need to participate. And, and the flat price, I like the inner commodities, believe it or not. Uh, Andy, I know you called me about KC versus Chicago, which is great. I, wanna, I do not want to fool with this year. Uh, I would be more looking to be longer back in the beans and try to short corn and, uh, you know, these corn in some sort of ratio. Going forward from this point, uh, knowing there's going to be corrections and certain spreads, I still I still like that trade basis on what we we see today. The unknown is going to be uh, weather, um, and we, we you know only the good Lord knows about the weather and 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 China demand and what happens with. U.S. policy with China. I, I, I think uh, uh, another comment I make, Ian, that you sent out a, a, a very interesting. It got me thinking about: Do we have enough acres in this country? And I and I look at the generational farmer. And Kevin, you can talk about this, and Mike can. You know, do we have as many farmer, young farmers coming online today, or taking up what those great grandparents or great grandparents have done? My answer, quick answer, would be no. I don't know that to be true, but my quick answer would be no, and, and that leads me, where is production headed? What is, where is production headed if, if uh, Biden wants to put emission controls and, you know, wants to tie up more acres? And right now, we need every acre that we can get this year, given what's occurred. What may happen middle of the end of the year, who knows, next year. But right now, we need every acre we can get right now, going into this growing season. So I thought well, good a lot... I said a lot. I said a lot. I don't want to uh, leave Mike out uh, in the desert there with a horse with no name, but uh, I'll let him talk a little bit, and uh, then we can ask further questions. All right. Well, well, thanks, Tommy, for your uh, your intro thoughts. You know, Mike, if you if we look back, uh, boy, you know, from the last five years up to you know eight, seven, eight months ago. Um, you know, it kind of reminded me of the early days of the '80s. Trying to not trying to date myself back when. You know, we were we were uh, farmers were farming at uh, at negative margins, and and um, all of a sudden, you know, we got to break even, and uh, now we're in profit land we haven't seen since 2012. Um, and so, you know, how do you how do you rectify that? I mean, Kevin, you made a comment today on this wire, looking out at uh, November 20 uh, and 22 beans. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, that's 12 bucks. Yeah. Um, you know, you got uh, you know you got some uh, pretty profitable levels uh, a year out in corn. Um, how, how do you kind of uh, you know make heads or tails out of all that? And, and where do you yeah. see farmers today? And where what are you kind of advising them to uh, think about going forward? Sure. Well, a, a, a quick follow up uh, because all of us talk to a number of professionals, and, and I think uh, and Kevin, I think in his daily commentary, tries to separate how he looks at the market from a speculative standpoint versus managing risk on the farm, and they are two different things. And I, and I think that for most speculators, I, I think we would be, it's still not time to be a naked short. There's too much, still too much potential uncertainty, whatever. Um, and I think Tommy would would agree with that. What Tommy did say was that he he prefers length in one spot versus another. 
and he and I talk almost every day, and, and, and I'm in this camp too. If I want to sell anything from the grower perspective, it, I've got a little more focus on corn today versus beans, and there's a number of reasons for that, Andy. Uh, and I know Kevin is is about 50% protected. Hey, uh, Mike, 30%. Mike, Mike, yeah. uh, Kevin, make a note of what the time right now. Uh, could someone uh, mute their phone? I, my, it's probably Tommy knowing him uh, because we're, we're getting a lot of static in the background. Yeah. Uh, Kirk, can you, you do that? Go? Can you mute, yeah. mute Tommy? Is that, is that better? Yes. Is that better? Yeah, much better. Yes. Okay. Yes. So leave it muted. And I'll, I'll, when we come back to questions to you, you can turn it back on. But apparently there's some, yep. you have some stat, noise in the background. So, okay, uh, you can make a note of the time now, Kevin. And, uh, go ahead, Mike. Sorry. Yeah, I think uh, Leslie's probably got time washing the dishes. That would be my guess. But um, it, in terms of how I'm looking at things and, and conversations with people like Tom and others, I'm in the same camp in, in terms of corn is at a level, both in the 21, 22, and even remaining old crop, that I've got to be a participant here. Uh, I, I really started uh, a little more aggressively when we got the 475, 480, now we get up here five and a quarter to 550, time to hit it again. Uh, Kevin's at about 50% covered. My guys are right in that general neck of the woods, 40 to 50. What's different about this year versus others, there's a heavy reliance on minimum price approaches. Um, you know, it, it, option premium is expensive, so you have to sell one or two options to help pay uh, for the floor, but um, I, I really like that approach. I also think Kevin leaning out there with 10% of the 22 makes a world of sense. If, if you can imagine this visually, Andy, I like thinking of 15 blocks at a whack, you know, in, in the five blocks from old crap, I'm down to just half a block or a block, not much left. You know, in the 21, uh, we're up here at, at two of the five blocks or two and a half of the five blocks, and we're nibbling at that first block for a 22. And my point in all of that is, we, we still got. We can still be friendly. We can still be optimistic. We got a heck of a lot to sell, but we better be paying attention and doing some things. And, and I've got. You know, I talked to a gentleman yesterday, really quality guy, uh, in in the mid south, who's got uh, uh, two thirds of his corn in the ground, uh, half of it's up, and he sees these prices and he said, Mike, we we got to we got to step up and do more, and, and and he should. Now you might have another farmer in a more marginal area. Hasn't put anything on the ground yet and might want to wait a little bit before he establishes it, but we need to be paying attention, and I think leveraging or stair-stepping some 21 sales or 22 makes sense. Where, where I might differ just a smidge, and this is, this is just a smidge with Kevin, is uh, along with what Carp said, I think more coverage in corn versus beans is warranted, and, and I've, I'm only about 35 on the high side, 40% hedged up in beans, and, and folks that did go a little more than that, uh, before the re report, we bought some short-dated 1260 November calls that we'll exercise tonight as a way to, to insulate ourselves. And the thought process is, is if this is really a big market, I want to have some extra beans to sell, uh, although, as Kevin alluded to, also, we're watching the 22 uh, price to, to you know, nickel and diamond. What, what concerns me about beans is, is – I, I can't tell how big this veg oil situation is going to evolve into. I mean, how, how, you know, it, are we making a, a, you know, generational kind of shift in oil share here 
that, that you know, until I'm more comfortable about how that balance sheet's going to work out. You know, we're so tight with the canola balance sheet that that's why I want to give the bean market a little more room. So, so in summary, I agree with CARP on the, you know, bean length against corn sales uh, on a bit of a spread. Uh, I, I agree with Kevin about paying attention and getting sales not only in the 21 and 22. The only modest differential is I'm a little less heavy with the sales of beans, kind of watching the bean oil. And in the case of wheat, uh, it, to me, you know, and again, I'm here in northwest Ohio, we kind of watch the Toledo delivery market, and all these years I've been at it, and I'm 67 and change now, um, I don't think we've ever had a better wheat crop locally. So it's pretty easy for guys to get pretty aggressive with their uh, 21 wheat sales. The question about the new crop 22 is guys are you know, challenging them. Get your 22 production plan in place, and I get the sense guys are going to back off some of this new crop wheat acreage and go more focused on row crops uh, as we go into the 22. So there, there's a quick update about how I'm looking at things after uh, – after Tommy, and then in kind of in conjunction with Kevin's advising his people. Oh, good, good, good thinking, Mike. Appreciate that very much. Kevin, do you, you have anything to add to kind of those overall uh, opinions and thoughts? No, I mean, I'm surprised to hear Carp say he'd probably be short over being long if he had to pick one right here. But, hey, it, you know, I, uh, I, I, it's tough. I'm with you. You know, it was a lot hey, easier when we were there. Kevin, yeah, I, I, let me quantify that. I wanted to be short corn against beans. I, I'm like okay, Mike. Yeah. I don't. I don't have any notion of not now. Um, since U.S. farmer and Brazilian farmers sold out to be necessarily short, I think you could trade in a commodity. But yeah, yeah, I think corn is too enticing at 50. I just got to think back to 40 years of my career. Mike's been in it a little longer. Andy, you. You know, how, how, how much money have you been long? You know, $5 corn, how many, how many years have you been able to be, make a lot of money? Uh, not many. And um, maybe one. I don't even know if there's one. But uh, the same with beans. The game has changed here right now. And I think you got to, you know, you got to trade it according. When everybody wanted to sell $3 corn or 310 corn, it was going to 250 That was one thing. Now everybody... And, and and their brother and you know as they said cab drivers whatever is getting so well televised now everybody wants to be long corn but maybe the move has already been two thirds or ninety percent completed already and that, and that will only be dictated like I said by weather weather in China going forward here so yeah yeah I I I, I don't have a problem being short the back end of corn against beans but do I want to be outright short no no. Yeah, Kevin and Andy, maybe I could ask a question uh, to the group um, because uh, Tom and I have discussed this a little bit, and, and you know the political stuff here is really important. Um, you know, and, and the U.S. relationship with China, the U.S. relationship with uh, Russia. Uh, you know, I'm of the opinion. I'm interested what you guys think about uh, President Biden and his administration being tested by Xi and Putin. Uh, I think that's a big deal moving forward. That, that this is a risk that I try to talk to my grower customers about. And uh, and then you know yesterday the, the announcement from Vilsack about trying to expand the CRP, which seems strange given you know the uh, the price levels we're at and, and the incentive for the grower to plant more. Um, you know the, the Green New Deal uh, type of approach here. 
How do you guys feel about the politics and its impact on, on what's going on here? Those are the kind of questions I'm being asked a lot by, by the growers and, and folks in the country. What do you, how do you feel about that? Well, uh, Mike, I, you know, I think that they're real legitimate potential black swan events. Um, I guess it, uh, some things I was reading this morning suggested they're backing down a little bit uh, on the Ukrainian border um, with a with massing of 100,000 troops. They're starting to pull them back. And they're just claiming that it was, uh, you know, just war games, if you will. I don't know if I believe that. I don't really believe much in terms of what Putin says. And we do seem to be taking a harder line with Putin than I would uh, than I would have expected with some uh, sanctions and the like that uh, that they're they're placing on him. I, I think both of the leaders you referenced, China and and uh, Russia, um, will try to test. Uh, and see how far they can push Biden, and I think the expectation is pretty far. Um, certainly, a lot different than they would have uh, been playing these games with Trump. But um, you know, I, I think the real concern I have more so than Russia at the moment is China and uh, what they do with Taiwan, and and um, you know that 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 to me is where the potential black swan lives, and that's the one that I fear most. Um, and obviously, that would have implications for, for, for grains, um, obviously. But, um, you know, I, I guess I would expect that if they do get into more of a direct confrontation and, you know, they're, they're dating airspace every other day in Taiwan and the like, uh, I, I'm afraid that Biden probably backs down uh, a lot quicker than uh, would be expected otherwise. But at some point, you can't keep backing down, not on that subject, because, uh, you know, our, our whole credibility as a country is on the line when it comes down to Taiwan and when it comes to further actions in Ukraine. Kevin, how do you, I mean, this is a big deal, uh, in my opinion. This is the risk. I agree with Andy almost verbatim there, you know, that it's, and how do you quantify that? How do you manage that? It doesn't have to be your base case, but it's a risk. And, and how does the producer or the spec handle that? Because that's, that's the Monday you walk in and you get smoked. Yeah, I, you know, my, my whole thing is that's, I, I'd probably just, I'm, I'm going to take the, you know, me, I like to start it and stir it up a little bit. I'd take the opposite on the, uh, I, I want to be a little more aggressive in pricing beans than I do corn. I think as a producer, if you're trying to hit a home run, I think the home run can come in corn over beans. Uh, that's just my play. I think we're tighter in corn than we probably ultimately are in beans in the, in the end. Uh, if you start factoring everything in in South America, so I, you know, I also worry. And my biggest concern is your one one grenade or one uh, pipe bomb away in Taiwan uh, from an issue. And to me which market can the funds swing the most heavily, I, I think I still think it's beans. I think if the funds want to turn the turrets and get a hedge against China, I think they'll short the shit out of the bean market more so than they will the corn market uh, as a knee-jerk reaction. And so as a producer, you sit there and you say, beans have notoriously are a bitch to market, and... You know, you got to run three bucks uh, in beans. So you're, instead of selling thirteen fifty beans, you're selling sixteen fifty sixteen fifty beans versus corn. You got to move sixty seventy cents for the same type of 
uh, you know, uh, I guess same type of bang for your buck, I should say. And all I'm saying is this. If we're all betting on a weather story, and that's the only reason you're not pricing bushels right now, because you're wanting to be a gambler, and you want to swing the fences and try and hit a home run, if the weather plays out and there's a problem, I think corn's going to run like son of a bitch. And, yeah, I, beans are going to go with it. But I think the home run plays in corn is, is all I'm trying to say. I, I think you have more potential for an explosion to the upside, in my opinion, in corn. I just think beans aren't as susceptible, at least what we have seen in recent years, uh, you know, Mike. And I, I – I still think the funds right now are half tilted and half cocked on this inflation trade, and that's why they've got the winds behind the sales here a little bit uh, or a lot in corn, beans, and wheat. And I think they're going to stay that way unless there's this, like you said, this Chinese wild card that would just toss into the ring here. And uh, but even Mike and even when they were in the piston match with Australia a few several months back, they were still buying wheat from Australia. So I, you know, I question if I know the headlines would spook the funds, but will it really cause them to make any big cancellations if they're really this short supply on wheat or, or well, I should say, yeah. There, there's a couple of things. I, I do think that they've shut uh, Australia off on a number of things now, which is why they've been so active in the European wheat markets. Uh, I and I did see that the the Australians responded yesterday with uh, their their. Uh, reneging on all the belt and uh, uh, the Chinese uh, f- uh, programs moving forward. I did forward. see so that. It, it, it's getting uglier. I'll mention something, too. I mean, I'm up here in northwest Ohio. I've got some friends in Canada. A couple of them are really well connected on the Olympic side of things, and, and they're very uncertain about whether Canada will par- even participate in the Winter Olympics next year. You can add Australia, and, and, and that's that's been quietly mentioned, but um, – you know, those are the kind of things that, that we have to monitor. And I, I just don't know. Again, Kevin, I, I think we're splitting hairs on corn versus beans. You know, we're in the neighborhood of having 40 45 50% sold of both, which tells me we, we can't be sure one way or the other. We have to insulate ourselves. We can be friendly from a spec standpoint. We've got a lot of weather yet to trade, but we have to take some coverage in here. Um, and, and, and that big sw- black, black swan out there is China. Now, the, I spent some time with the Ag Attaché report earlier this week, and they indicated that, that grains in the commercial hands, in other words, at the feed mills, are at the highest in 15 years. So the, the grain they do have is in the appropriate position. What bothers me is, or, or tough to monitor, is I think what they're buying, a lot of what they're buying is to restock the reserves which we'll never really know, you know, when that job is accomplished to the point that they might say, you know, um, they'll get a little tough with the U.S. on some stuff. So it, to me it's a complete unknown. I'm also I'm uncertain um, about what's going to happen in the U.S. with this aggressive green movement and, and the pressure that this is going to put on a guy like Senator Joe Manchin out of West Virginia you know, which way is he going to swing on some of these situations? I, I just think those are the kinds of uncertainties that a farmer has to say, look, we're not really going to know. It's, don't get caught out guessing it, even though we're bullish from a spec standpoint. I think most of us on the call still feel that way. 
you and I have to talk to our growers about getting some coverage, and that's why I think we have the positions on to do. A, a lot of advisory folks don't want to have with much of anything on, and I just think that's what we've talked about. Yeah, I agree, Mike. I, I mean, I think there are a lot of I, I mean, I've been talking to a lot of producers and a lot of speculators. I mean, people are getting wildly pulled up. And, hell, and Andy and I and Carp and everyone else, it's, uh, you know, it's always the most bullish right at the top. And, and shit, it's always the most bearish right at the bottom. So, yeah, you know, you're sitting there with this question. I, I, I mean, I've woke up a couple of days and I'm like, gosh, damn, a part of me, especially yesterday when that thing traded low enough, a part of me wanted to just balls up and just sell a shitload. I mean, I just wanted to just start selling hand over fist. <laughs> I, I mean, seriously. I've done that a few times in the pit after a few cocktails. Yeah, and I'm just like, <laughs> I want to just, and I, I was selling some producers. I'm like, my gosh, why do we, you know, why, why do we change our mindset when here we are up here right now, now all of a sudden we want to, you know, as a producer anyway, Mike, why all of a sudden now are, are they, you know, it's like Jordan and his buddies trading, you know, bitcoins and, Doge coins and shit like that. It's like all of a sudden when the market's way higher and they've they've made some money, they're all of a sudden now they're traders. You know, they're they're speculators. And I don't know. I I'm I'm questioning it here. It's like I I got a lot well, of guys that are way way undersold. They, they, there's the guys out there that haven't sold hardly anything. Right? So I, I mean, look, the world. Everyone's a genius, Kevin. I'll never forget when we were at the uh, at the, uh, the top producer conference at the uh, South uh, yeah. Michigan Hilton, and we were at a cocktail party, and everyone's standing around talking about expanding their runways so they can accommodate their jets on their farms. And we looked at each other, and I'll be damned if it wasn't the top of the market. And I'm not saying <laughs> you're getting that kind of rhetoric today, but you know, look, you, you couldn't have. If you had a checklist of everything that could possibly be bullish right now, there isn't a box, a box unchecked. I mean, you got the stock market that's going crazy. You got potential of inflation, uh, ag leading. Um, you know, China strong cash, uh, drought in, in South America and the Saprina crop. Uh, you know, kind of pick your poison. And you know, right now you're looking at at, at such profitable levels this year and next. And all and, and, and all producer grown commodities yeah. at the moment that it's it's awful hard not to have and, and, and give serious consideration to locking in more than a pittance. Um, because one of these black swans could come along and, and tip the boat. Uh, hell, just if the market decided to get even from these levels with record length in most everything, you know, you you, you could you'd uh, you'd set beans back two bucks and corn a buck before you even blinked. So I'm not saying you're you're, you're going to break this thing uh, far, but but on the other hand, what's the upside potential without more weather to uh, come and help you? And really, when are we going to start being a weather trading market? We're still a few months away from that. Once the crops planted, of course. So I hear you guys, but but you know, let's let's also be realistic and uh, not be the smartest guys in the room, and and, and just try to be the uh, um, you know, hitting singles, and right now you can hit a home run just by standing at the plate. So, I'd I, I'd hate to miss this opportunity to get some things marketed and uh, lock some things in, and that's why they make options markets. You can protect yourself and leave yourself room to the upside as well. 
Andy, Andy, you got to be careful with the options and the volatility. I, unfortunately, and I, I've told this story over the years, uh, and Andy knows probably what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, when I was taking a long position and then decided against a long position, happened to be beans, I'll tell you that much. He decided to buy the options at a really high volatility, and, it, and the market broke, and he's long, and he just crucified him. Um, so be care, careful to where vol is relative if you want to keep along uh, or, or buying them outright. The market may break and, you know, over time they decay. I mean, that's, that's just kind of words of wisdom of trading and having an awful experience of trying to protect, protect the position that you, uh, if you don't do the right strategy, you can lose on both ends. Well, Tommy, if I could go back and ask a little follow-up question to your comments here, I think I heard you say that, that you're watching the old new spreads for any, and, and of course, the related cash news with that, if you yeah. see cracks in that, if you saw chinks in, in the armor of the old yeah. spreads, that, that would be a red flag for you. That's really yeah. what you're looking well, at today. And I, 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 a little bit different about how you guys feel. Like, you know, it seems like the last two or three years that we wanted to have a real, you know, uh, uh, rocky type fight between us and, and the Chinese, we, we could have had it. I, I don't think you, uh, both countries can afford it, and maybe more China than anything else. If they're buying, and these are all unknowns, we're not going to get... We're not going to get the answer to what I'm about to say, but some of the things, you know, uh, their land's been uh, decaying. They've got contaminated soils. They're becoming less and less, more and more of a desert. They're on a mission not only to buy grain, but metals everywhere around the world. They're buying property everywhere. Why are they doing this? Are, are they as bleak as an outcome and a fire food security? How much do they want to replenish stocks? Um, you know, my big thing, and I'm not friendly up here at these levels, but, you know, can we have another, can we afford another drought uh, this year in this country or next year in South America? I don't, I don't think so. Um, so I'm looking at China, and yes, I agree with every comment you said about Taiwan. No argument. But I also think they've been buying up stuff for a reason. And, and that reason, you know, we're not going to know that, the answer to that. Uh, called global dominance. You know, I yeah, my opinion of what I, I think they got really exposed on COVID, and I think the supply chain just crippled the shit out of them, and they were trying to rail all that corn from north to south, or vice versa. You know, where they were trying to rail, and I mean, I think they had massive dislocation, and I think they're gonna, from what we're hearing, they're shift that around a little bit. So I don't know. Well, I, I guess I kind of agree with you, Kevin. If a lot of these, you know, these hedge funds and large institutional traders want to try to hedge their equity positions, you know, one way to do that, if, if China's their fear, is to, uh, you know, is to take a position in the uh, ag markets contrary to uh, a U.S.-Chinese relationship. And, you know, that's 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 another thought to consider. But uh, right now, you know, it, 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 nothing changes until it does, and when it does. I, I just don't think we're going to just kind of – this isn't going to be a gradual market. <laughs> With the being this high this early in the season, strap yourself okay. in. This is going to be a hell, yeah. of a, a hell of a roller coaster ride. And, and, Andy, I think you make a real good point here, and I think this is something that, that maybe Kevin and I need to talk more to our growers about because they're, they're human beings and they look in the rearview mirror 
and they remember that if they would have waited and waited and waited last growing season into the winter, they'd have done better. And that's going to be a temptation. I think with everything you just said, and I have no idea whether that's you know, so April, May, June, July, or August, when, when it's over, it, it could be a severe break, and it probably won't behoove them yeah. uh, you know, to carry this unprotected all the way to next January, You know that they're going to have to take some marketing steps over the next few weeks and months. I, I, I think that uh, you know, we have to be proactive, whereas last year we would have been all smarter if we'd have been reactive. Uh, maybe that makes sense to, to you, maybe not, but that's what I'm telling my guys. Okay. Okay. We'll talk later. Well, you know, switch gears a little bit here, guys. I mean, look at right. South America. I mean, my God, we're looking at price levels down there right now, 180 rei for soybeans. Oh, my God. I, I, can you even contemplate those numbers in the historical scheme of things? I remember, Kevin, when we bought that, uh, when we made our best land purchase ever down in South America and we were – Trying to value our uh, our expectations for um, uh, for our, our revenues uh, on a year-to-year basis, we were using uh, I believe 75 rei per sack as our uh, as our as our uh, starting point. Of course, we were down at you know 2.5 to one rei, not at 5.5 to one, but irrespective, you know 180 is just I mean that's just you're going to get such an increase in acres and 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 you know they still have another God knows how much more acres. In, Flat pasture land can be plowed back into grain, but boy, you know they they're uh, they're very very adept at uh, at reacting to high prices to uh, cure high prices, and uh, I I look for them to make a big move. Are you hearing anything down there, Tommy? In terms of uh, you talk quite a bit to the uh, guys down in South America, Corey and others. What are you hearing down there in terms of their expectations for acreage next year? Well, I think they're going to go proportionally higher, you know, two, three percent is my my guess. I mean, I mean, look what they've been doing the last few years. I think you just use that as a gauge, right? Yeah, Mike, would mm-hmm. you would you disagree? I mean, I wouldn't expect lower. No, well, absolutely not. I think that the question will be the the mix. You know, there's some talk that. You may see a little bit more first-season corn, that sort of thing. I actually think that one of the reasons that some people on the commercial side are still using bigger bean uh, uh, crop sizes, and even to some degree uh, muting the the problems from Caprina, is the sheer amount of hectares planted. Uh, That the weather wasn't great, but the the, the acres sown is a big, big number. So I think you're absolutely right, And, and that's what concerns me about all this talk about CRP. It just opens up the door to the Black Sea and to South America to continue increasing uh, their acreage. High pre- that's all part of high prices, curing high prices. Yeah, that's right. Except what if, except what if we're in a different uh, paradigm? What if, what if we're in a whole new era, era Mike? What if we got put in place? Uh, Tom, uh, Tom I I, I've heard that before. Say, but, you know, and, and, and I'm telling you... Uh, well, it's not. This is not going to be easy because you can really get bared up, and guess what? You may you may get it stuck in your face if something doesn't go your way. Um, Tom, Tom, we're all, I'm going to cut you off right there. Uh, okay, Tom. In in '72, we rallied hard, new numbers, and we broke back. Yeah. Okay, oh wait, and yeah. we broke back. You know. Okay. Maybe maybe, maybe corn doesn't trade three dollars or two ninety again. I don't have a problem yeah. with that. Yeah, but it and maybe it doesn't trade under 380, but you got red deece corn, 
you know, knocking on the door right. five bucks. That needs to be addressed. Yeah, yeah Mike. And we're not talking about a speculative store, Tommy. I guess, I, I, you know, look, you know, 550 these corn, if we if one to think it couldn't break back to 450 again, you're crazy. It may even break back to four bucks. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think this I'll make a, a, hey, I'll go on the books right now and make a side bet with anybody that wants to take it that in our lifetime we see corn under 350 again. <laughs> in our lifetime? Well, is that a, 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 a mock lifetime or a Kevin Van Duren uh, you know, lifetime? <laughs> Hey, yeah, you guys all got shot down with my ass. <laughs> I think there's a reason. Yeah, hey, you might be right, guys. I, I may have to recant that. I got a final notice the other day. I'm running out of time, and you're dancing in our lifetime. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Okay, let's go with the yeah. Let's go with the ten year period here. <laughs> well, well, Kevin, what, what you're saying is, and we've done this over and over and over again, with these kind of incentives and with today's technology. We always produce ourselves in the cheaper prices. We just do. It's a question of one year, two years, whatever. We, hey. have, we still have to be sensitive to that. Our, our, our good friend Soren, hey, Soren hit this on the head at the, fucking, the prom last time, you know, two years ago before COVID. I thought Soren made a very profound statement. To, and I don't know if we were just all having some drinks and shooting the shit or he said it on stage or whatever. But, you know, the real thing uh, – and, and, you know, tell Soren, CEO of Bungie, he, and he, he said, you got to know what race, you know, what, what race you're in here. And, and as a producer, it's higher yields and lower prices. That is the name of the game in commodity as far as farming goes. It's going to be higher yields and lower prices. We're seeing that in the energy sector. Yeah, you're going to have some blips on the radar screen like you're having up here. If you believe that technology is spreading more rapidly across the globe, which we're seeing happen now, Andy and I can tell you firsthand in Brazil what's happening, you're getting more and more technology. As that spreads, you're going to produce crops at a cheaper and cheaper price, and yields are going higher. So the yields aren't going lower, I promise, anytime we see So Yields are moving higher. Probably unless you're talking you. So I – Bottom line, it's just simple, Mike. I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think you have to have the mindset that, you know, over a course of 20 to 30 years, you need to try to work to become a low-cost producer. Uh, and, and, you know, I just think that's where it heads. Oh, the TV price all demand-based coming China's kind of temporary, uh, doing that temporarily, but... You know, we don't have a permanent new fixture of demand coming through a new source. Um, you're, you're just having a kind of a relocation and, and, a, and a tweaking and confluence of some, some bad weathers, and, uh, maybe a little more realistic uh, uh, reserve stocks being uh, addressed. But, you know, it's not like what we have, you know, the, this new demand surge called ethanol coming our way that's going to uh, you know, give us – Acreage dominoes battle like we did between 08, 09, 10, 11, and 12, which eventually we overcame. And, oh, look at the acreage increases in Eastern Europe and and Red and Red Sea. Uh, I think that you know we haven't even addressed Africa yet. That's certainly something down the road that has more arable oil. The entire country uh, does 
without that isn't even touched or scathed, then you know we'll we'll, we'll overcome technology and yields. Yeah, they're going to get better. Indoor farm, blah blah blah. But you know we have a couple of years ahead of us. But let's not think that you know that, that uh, you know a linear straight linear line up. I don't see it. Yeah, I think I'm with Mike. I think it could be a little bit of a cycle here, Andy, like you're saying. You know, maybe it's maybe it lasts a year, two years, three years. I, you know, maybe we stay up here at these lofty levels and shop around site, you know, and trade a weather market, trade a little bit of a logistics problem in South America, trade a few things and wash around. But I, I agree with Tommy too. Now that we're at this elevated level, ah, uh, boy. I'm hesitant to just believe we could just keep just smoking higher and then just keep smoking higher. I mean, you know, maybe we are at a new level here, but this, I, I, I got to believe it sometime. Don't you guys believe the market's going to get to a high enough price? Maybe we're here right now. Maybe we're too high. And, and then it's going to slosh around sideways for a while. Don't you guys think? Or do you think it's just straight up, straight back down? <sighs> Big markets, you no, know, I don't badly, Kevin. No, I, I don't. I don't look at this as. I mean, a roller coaster with a maybe a forty or fifty cent uh, um, high low. No, I don't think we're going to go straight back down to uh, three fifty again. No, I think we're going to stay up at, at, at profitable levels for a few years um, as we go through this commodity cycle. <laughs> and the extent that you know the the you know the world economy stays healthy, I think commodities will too. Um, usually, the economic indicator in history, but history doesn't mean what it used to be, for sure. So, no, I, I think it's going to, we have markets for quite a while, and I think we're pretty profitable in the market. You know, what, what do you say, Mike? Uh, Mike, you think you know, the carpet can be pulled out? Yeah, it, it's really hard for me to. Uh, to put a timescape on it when, when uh, there, there are two things that I don't know enough about today. One is China's and U.S. relationship and their commitment to these big purchasing programs, how long does it last? And the other is the shift in the U.S. government with this new administration and, and their effort at some level of new green deal. Th- those, those are very difficult for me to handicap. So being honest with myself, I mean, I I monitor it, try to figure it out, try to watch it, but I I go back, Kevin, what you're doing and what I'm doing is actually pretty similar. As we get closer and closer to Memorial Day, you get stuff in the ground, guys, shouldn't you have at least half of your your new crop covered at these kinds of prices or or plans, you know, offers in above the market, and included in that should be some 22. In other words, in a lot of – I think this is easier for the producer than it is for the speculator because he just, look, I'm, I'm taking chips off the table uh, against these kinds of numbers. It's a discipline. It's the need for planning. It's having open offers working, you know, all the time. I, that's where I'm at, Andy and Kevin. I, I think that, that people in my business ha- have to be really honest with their growers because the, these farmers that are vastly underpriced, Kevin referenced, will not be able to turn fast enough emotionally when it does roll over to get big coverage in place. Incremental sales along the way are always better than I'll sell 80% of the crop when it ships over. I just don't see people that are able to do that way. Yeah, uh, I agree. 
<laughs> Andy, anything else? Tommy, we can hear Tommy. We can hear everyone else in the in your background. Do you have any uh, thoughts <laughs> on that? Well, I'm trying to stay awake here, but uh, I, I think there are difficult times. Uh, it's easy to break right now. Import talk scares scares along, but we need it. We need the imports. Just remember that. But uh, I, 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 you know, just go back a 40 years and maybe this is different. You know, 550 corn or wherever that decent corn's at right now. We're talking. I, I'd rather be a seller up here and buyer. And and maybe own beans against it. I, you know, I prefer it again that I, I still like back end of beans for a few reasons here. And uh, you know, we need the acres and we need a we need a good growing season. So there's where I'm kind of at. Stay with the spread. Let's wrap up with our favorite trade. Let's let's wrap up with our favorite trade. I know, Carp, your favorite trade. um, What would you say it is right now? Well, I'm going to go against uh, the drift, and and uh, I've been watching DSEP corn move her from around uh, 20 to 22. uh, Got down as low as 12, I think. I still think, and I know uh, probably an argumentative trade, but I want to be long it. I think this Safrina crop is so good, you know, huge for their export pitcher that they're going to lose out on that plus what they're going to have to keep. So I think the U.S. is going to be in game. And, um, you know, China has been back here recently um, for, for August forward or SEP forward. So, I, I, you know, a lot of people like to buy these sell SEP. I want to be the other way this year. I'm breaks. All right. Good thinking. Mike, how about you? Well, the one thing that, that uh, we've liked here and, and discussed the last week or so is uh, protecting another 5%, 10%, no more than that, of the 21 crop, but with a very wide window strategy. You protect yourself with a 550 floor, you finance it with a 650 ceiling, so you got a buck and a half to deal with. And then to cut the cost even more, we put a short call on just a, a similar jag for 22 against the 550 strike. So a farmer has to keep in mind that he's committing 5% of next year's bushels potentially at 550, and that helps find it. So he gets a floor uh, basically at the market for no cost, and he's got a $1.50 upside. I think, and I want to focus that in corn for all the reasons that we discussed, Tommy and I did, about why we think corn needs to be covered. So that's, that's my trade today. Okay, great. Well, that's, that's a, a, a very reasonable and conservative uh, uh, recommendation. Um, and I have a hard time arguing with it. Daddy, let's, uh, how about yourself? Yeah, so, you know, I, I just think I've done a shitty job from a spec position trading corn, beans, and wheat. Uh, and I told you, Andy, uh, hell, we were, oh, shit, going into the election. I was wanting to be long pre-election. For a damn near a year, I said, I'm going to buy the shit out of this thing and just add to it pre-election just because I thought Trump was going to pull some Houdini stuff and get China to start buying a bunch. You and I dicked around a million times. So I go in and buy corn, beans, wheat early and shit, add a couple of times to them and then just see the profits. And I'm like, ah, kind of Corona got me spooked, some other things. So I just start taking profits early, you know. And then add a little, buy a little bit on a little break, take a little baby profit, and then miss three-quarters of the damn – I mean, I feel like I've missed half the three-quarters of the run, I think. Uh, just, you know, overthinking the whole damn thing. I had the right strategy going in, and I would have just kept adding to it, and I still wouldn't be taken out of the position. Uh, but I guess, I don't know, I just 
I, I guess I overthought too many things. Probably listened to too much noise in the market, and uh, shit, really did a piss poor job in my opinion. So, right now, Andy, I'm I'm flat. I uh, I was long wheat. Shit, took a loser on that. Exited it right before the big rally higher. Uh, took some heat, and then I just was like, I'm throwing in the towel. I'd been long for a while, and you know me, Andy. Shit, I'm always bullish wheat, and. Uh, so, like I said, overall, I've had a, I, in my opinion, I'm pissed because it, it, uh, it was a massive home run play that was set up on a tee, and I have psychologically just shit all over the trade and did not do a good job. Yeah, I made some money, but nothing like the money that should have been made in these markets right here. And uh, So I just look back, and, and I'm, I told Jordan, I've told Michelle, and I, I mean, there's just a time not to be in the market. When you psychologically feel that way, like I feel about how I, I've performed it, I, I just stepped aside. I mean, I'm just, I got no position right now. So I, I honestly don't know what to do at the moment, to be honest with you. I don't want to be short because I don't want to navigate that trade. Um, and, you know, Andy, you're, you get super frustrated when you miss a big home run to the long side, so then you take a short position. You know, that, then that shoves it right you know, then you take the hit on that when you're really pissed. So I, I'm a little bamboozled right here uh, and just I'm on the sideline, honestly. I, I'm licking my wounds after that last little wheat fiasco. and So I, I, I don't have much uh, much on right here. I'm kind of looking for some guidance and, uh, you know, been doing well in the stock trading. But uh, just I'm kind of taking a pause here for a minute. So what do you got going right now in the grace? Anything? Or? Well, I, 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 guess, uh, I could have, you could have just uh, changed the voice. And uh, yeah, I, what you just said is pretty much the way it's been for me this year. I, I picked up a little bit early on. Uh, I missed this big move. Uh, I can't tell you the last time I missed a move like this, but I did. Um, I've been in, in, and you know, I've only done it from the long side, and I pick up a dime here, twenty cents there, and but but it, it's just you don't, you know, I don't do it with a conviction that that. I would have had I have you know been stayed with it from the beginning and was playing with a lot of their chips. Um, you know I, I've I've been trading a few spreads. I've been the opposite of what Carp likes in the uh, corn spread, although I am out and, and I took a little bit of money out of that. Um, I was really smart and uh, had Casey Chicago on and took that from a thirty cent uh, a premium Chicago to a premium five cent premium Kansas City. Never got out, of course. Watch you go back to a fifty cent premium KC, and 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 I'm still in it. And and I and frankly, with some of the you know weather and cold temps we've had out back east, or excuse me, out west, and uh, you know the fact that you know China uh, is buying uh, French wheat, you know, I I just think that you're going to see a lot more wheat feeding, and that's going to favor Kansas City uh, stocks coming down. So I still like KC Chicago. Um, but but other than that, um, I'm with you, Kevin. I, I kind of feel, uh, you know, I'll trade during the week and, and, and maybe take some positions on, but I'll be damned if I'm going to take a position over a weekend like we just, you know, the one that we're going into right now um, for fear of all the things that we talked about, from black swans to changes in weather forecasts uh, and, you know, China and, and Russia and the U.S. and blah, blah, blah. So, I'm uh, I'm on the sidelines for the most part. I've trading a little bit in the metals. Uh, thank God I got out of uh, Bitcoin, up, uh, you know, above sixty thousand bucks, and 
it wasn't because I was smart or anything like that. It was just, uh, I guess, dumb luck. Um, and I'm on the sidelines, but I'd like to see where that might have another opportunity to come back into play. But uh, as far as the ads go right now, I'm, I'm with you. I'm on the sidelines, uh, other than Casey Chicago. And that's really about it, guys. Uh, does anyone else have anything they want to add or anything they like uh, in particular? Or maybe we should wrap it, call it a wrap, and uh, let uh, everyone get on with their weekend. Yeah. So. Sorry, great, Everybody have a nice weekend. Yeah, I want to thank right, everyone for joining. Tommy, uh, enjoyed listening to your family as well. And uh, yeah. uh, Mike, great hearing yeah. from you. And uh, Eddie, we'll, uh, we'll talk over the weekend, I'm sure. You got it, my friend. I'll talk to you about it. Take All care, right. guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. Bye. Be good. Bye-bye.